Okay, so this week we're going to be learning Osvav in Sefer Milin from Rav Kook's Lusayagan And following off of last week's shir on where we discussed the Shechina, where we discussed Malchus in its full manifestation, through the two-stage manifestation, if you will, of Malchus, the Osdalid, where we have Malchus in the world of Atzilus, as it exists in its supernal form, as well as Malchus and the Shechina as it descends into the worlds of Riyitzir and Asiyah, the worlds of separation, and the Ha'ara and the light and the sustenance that HaKadosh Baruch Hu sends into this world through the Shechinta Begalusa. We finally have Malchus set up. And as we discussed, really from the Os Aleph and onwards, everything was a process of setting up Malchus. Everything was a process of setting up the base kibble, the receptacle, if you will, through which existence and being and everything that exists in existence can find itself in its proper place, with its proper limitations, with the proper measurements, in order so that not only can HaKadosh Baruch Hu then interact vis-a-vis these kalim, vis-a-vis this space, the makom, if you will, but also, and more importantly, so that human beings, B'nai Yisrael, of kach ala the apex, the crowning jewel of creation, can act through their own volition, through their own act of bechira, which necessitates the presence of concealment and disclosure of good and bad, of evil and positivity, so that the human being can engage in creation, engage in Kedusha, and make the choice to be bocher to serve Hashem, and thereby force Kedusha, force light to descend into a space which otherwise would appear to be dark. Now, when we come to the Osvav, we're now beginning to understand the relationship that takes place after our Kedush Baruch Hu creates the receptacle of creation. Meaning, through Aleph, through Hay, the world is being created from the Koyach HaGvul, Bebilti Gvul, from the capacity of limitation within the infinite itself, which we discussed in Os Aleph, as taught in the teachings of Rabbeinu Azriel of Gerona, and the Nazir HaKadosh said was the crowning jewel of Rav Kook's system in Kabbalah, through to the Os where we have the Shechina, where we have this enlightenment and this force of Kedusha that enlivens the worlds of separation, we have finally arranged the receptacle, the Beis HaKibol, the Shechin, the Malchus that can receive the influx, the light, the, the shining forth of Hashkacha from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The Os Vav demands that we understand a certain aspect of the teachings of the Arizal in order to properly understand what Rukkuk is saying. And like Osei, Os Vav is a pretty terse Os. It's very short. There are a lot of Ramazim and hints contained within the words of Rav Kook for Osvav, connected to Eliyahu Anavi, connected to the Vav that, Shalom, that Pinchas received as the gift of Shalom due to his act of Zimri. We have references to Yosef Tzaddik, but nevertheless, Rav Kook doesn't spend much time opening and explicating these sources too much, so it's going to be our job to kind of create an introduction so that we can properly see what Rav Kook is trying to say with the Osvav. Now, the Arizal, Rav Yitzhak Luria's Chusiyagenelenu, whose yard site is coming up in about a month or so, a little bit less than a month, in Hey Av, the Arizal was Mechadesh. And I use the word Chidush in a very specific type of sense. I don't mean, God forbid, that the Arizal created something from nothing, but rather that the Arizal was able to contemplate the teachings of the previous Mekubalim, in particular the teachings of the Zohar HaKadosh and Rav Moshe Kodavaro, the Ramak HaKadosh, 
and through his learning, and through the Giloy of Eliyahu that the Arizal was Zohatu, and through the Bina Yaseira that the Arizal was Zohatu, he was able to be Machadish and Megala, the Varim Shakisa Atak Yomin, aspects that the infinite creator has concealed from the beginning in the ancient times of creation. And the Arizal was one of the first individuals, if not the first individual, to unpack and unfold and reveal certain teachings inherent within the teachings of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, all the way back to Rabbi Akiva and Moshe Rabbeinu, as our tradition has us understand. Now, one of the chidushin, if you will, of the Arizal, was the notion of the partzuf. Now, throughout Eitz Chaim, and I'm going to try and explain this in the, in the least metaphysical way possible, in the least kind of magical way possible, so that we can try and understand it in a way that Rav Cook would have us understand it through his own process of interpretation of the Kabbalah of the Arizal. The Arizal was machadesh, the idea of partzufim, which for lack of a better translation, we will describe as configurations. That once HaKadosh Baruch Hu decided to create the world, he was mitzamsem as infinitude, to reveal himself in concealment, that koyachad gvul. And after the initial instantiation of the shvirat ha-kelim, like we understood in Os, Beis, and Gimel, and after the binyan ha-olamos that we understood in Dalad and Hay, until the olamos of Bria Yitzira Nasiya, Hashem then decided, Kaviachol, to interact with creation. And the way that HaKadosh Baruch interacts with creation is through an interconnected system of various configurations through which HaKadosh Baruch Hu discloses himself. Now, when you learn the Tzafar Ditznyusa and you learn the Arizal, especially his parish on Tzafar Ditznyusa, which were from his earlier years of writing, unlike the Eitz Chaim, which was compiled by Rechaim Vital, what you find is that the Arizal states over and over again that concealment is only for the sake of disclosure, and that if we want to have anything revealed to us, it has to be based on a paradoxical act of concealment for the sake of disclosure, because if God is infinite, and even after HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Tzimtzum, we're still operating with Or Einsof, which is a secondary level of infinitude, which we can actually begin to describe as opposed to the primary level of infinitude, Einsof Mamish Kavyachol, which we have no access to because it's prior to the Tzimtzum. So we need, we need to understand how the infinite creator can remain infinite while manifesting infinitude. And one of the ways that HaKadosh Baruch Hu does this is through concealing himself so that he can reveal himself to limited creation. Because if HaKadosh Baruch Hu would not conceal himself, then there would be no room for other than God to receive that influx of divinity. So one of the ways, the tikkunim, and the Arizal states explicitly that anytime we use the word tikkun, it means concealment for the sake of disclosure. The beard is described as tikkunim, the hair on the head is described as tikkunim, the yud gimel tikkune dikna, the 13 tikkunim of the beard, which represent channels, kavyachol, through which HaKadosh Baruch Hu minimizes his light so that it can be received in a particular way. Very similar, according to the Gra, as well as Rav Kook and Olos Ra'aya, to the yud gimel mido shatorna which are the funnels or the channels, if you will, through which the influx, that infinite light of Torah Shav is slowly but surely siphoned into the limited light of human understanding in Torah Shavah something that stands as the bedrock, if you will, of, of parts of Rav Tzadok HaKohen Milublin's teachings. 
Nevertheless, the way that HaKadosh Baruch Hu decided to create the world and channel in his infinite light so that it remains infinite yet is accessible to finitude was through a series of interconnected parts of him or configurations. Now, for the sake of just simply stating what those are, we understand typically that for the Arizal, it's expressed through the writings of his Talmud Mofak, Rav Chaim Vital, that there are five or six interconnecting parts of him or interconnecting configurations that comprise each and every aspect of creation from the most minimal aspect to the most maximum aspect, meaning that each world, the world of Atsilos, the world of Bria, the world of Yetzirah, and the world of Asiya, as well as each particular part of each world, contains within itself a series of interconnected configurations that operate in a cause and effect type of relationship or an expression and receiving type of relationship or masculine and feminine, which creates that world itself. Now those five or six parts of them are as follows. Multiple ones of these are taken from the Sefer Daniel, Aramaic terms, which the Arizal drew them from. The first parts of which we can discuss is Arich Anpin, or the long face, Kavyachal, which represents Kesa, which represents the loftiest area of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's relationship with this world. Now, Kesa can typically be broken up into two, and the parts of Atik Yomin, uh, the parts of Arach Anpin is also going to be connected to the parts of Atik Yomin, or the parts of ancient days. Now, those two parts of him, the parts of Atik Yomin and the parts of Arach Anpin, represent the Keser of each world. Then we have the parts of him of Abba and Ima, which are very often and nearly always taken together, described in the Zohar as Trey Rayan, Delomis Parshin La'almin, two loved ones who do not separate from one another for the entirety of their existence. Now, Abba represents Chachma, and Ima represents Bina. Shma Bani Musar Avicha, Torah Abba is going to represent the right side of Chachma, which is the flash of inspiration, an idea in its germ-like form. And Ima is going to represent the feminine quality of understanding, which discerns one thing from another, or as the Lashon of Rashi and Chazal is, Shemevin Davar Mitoch Davar, the capacity to draw from the left brain Kavyachal, which is slightly more severe than the right brain of Chachma, in order to understand the details. Then we are going to have the two main configurations, the two main parts of him with which Jewish people and the world itself interacts with through our Avodah. And those parts of him are going to be the parts of him of Zer Anpin, and Nukva de Zer Anpin, the feminine aspect of Zer Anpin, and what we know as Malchus and the Shkina. So we have, again, these six parts Sufram. We have Atik Yomin, Arach Anpin, Abba Ve'ima, Zer Anpin, and Malchus. Now these configurations, these parts Sufim, now leaving aside their proper names for a moment, this represents this system that the Arizal introduces where we are no longer dealing with individualized parts that have no relationship with one another, but rather we are dealing with a, a deeply complex system with a series of interactions and reversals and one thing expressing itself to another and the other receiving influx of the higher parts of this system, this complex system that the Arizal described is, according to many commentators on the Arizal, the main chidush in Kabbalah Sa'arizal. Because before the Arizal, the main explication that we had of Kabbalah, if you will, was the Ramak of Moshe Kordavaros, Husi Aganalenu, who without Bali Guzma, without exaggeration, without the Ramak, there could be no Arizal, there could be no continuity to Jewish Pnimiyosa, to the secrets of the Torah. 
But the Ramak in his Pardis Rimonim, in his compilation of the prior teachings of Kabbalah from the times of the Geonim and the Yordim Merkava all the way down to the time of Ramak in the late 1500s, what the Ramak does was he compiles opinions and he sorts through those opinions in order to arrive at what seems to him to be the most specific and correct way of interpreting that particular secret. The Ramak does not necessarily develop an individualized system of interconnected parts where every part of the system relates to one thing and its other, but the Ramak compiles an encyclopedic system where one idea is not necessarily inherently related to the other idea. It's more of a bikiyut, if you will. It's more of a, a collection of ideas that, yes, they interact with one another, but there is no inherent connection between one or the other. And when you learn through Pardes Rimonim of the Ramak, you can learn one parak as a standalone parak, and you don't lose anything necessarily if you don't learn the next prakim. That is not true with the Arizal. Somebody who tries to learn Otsos Chaim of the Arizal or Eitz Chaim of the Arizal, it is nearly impossible to understand what the Ari is coming to say through his student, Rav Chaim Vital, if you disregard something else in another parak. In fact, Rav Chaim Vital writes in his introduction that the Arizal taught these ideas in the three years that he was teaching, the very limited amount of time that the Arizal was teaching, he taught these ideas in a deliberate way that it was scattered so that one person could not understand it without understanding the entire complex system. For the Ramak, according to the Arizal and according to Rav Chaim Vital, the Ramak was operating within a system of tohu, of chaos, where you have a scattering of different and disparate points that, yes, they hold a relationship with one another, but no, they do not inform or conform to any particular complex system that operates according to self-regulating laws. The Arizal, contradistinction to the Ramak, operated in a world of tikkun, a world of rectification, a world where there was order and where each and every part created a sum total that was greater than the sum of its parts. Now, this concept of a sum total that is greater than the sum of its parts is what the Arizal was coming to teach with his conception of partsufim. The partsuf, each partsuf, so let's take the partsuf of Zer'anpin, for example, which synonymously is going to be referred to as Kudshabarichu, or Bnei Yisrael, or Tiferes, or HaKadosh Baruch Hu in its infinite space. Each partsuf is comprised of 10 interconnected nekudot, 10 interconnected svirot of keser, chachmabina, chesed, vura, teferes, netzachod, yesod, and malchus. And through their interconnections, they comprise and inform this configuration, which we'll call zeranpin. Now, it is more than the 10 spheros, but without the 10 spheros, there could be no such thing as a partsuf. The reason we're coming on to this introduction of the Arizal and his conception of configurations, which allows us to really understand Panimiya Satora less as some metaphysical system of legend or magic or the type of things we typically associate with mysticism, and much more as a very specific system where each detail and each prat informs the rest of the system so that if you have a misunderstanding in one place, it is going to affect your understanding elsewhere, which leads us to our Svardi Mikubalim and the Lashem Shubo Bachaloma who learned the Arizal 
quite similarly to the way Rav Chaim Brisker would learn a Daf Gemara or a Shita in the Rambam in being mafalpel from one place to another and trying to understand contextually what the Arizal was saying because they deeply believed that the entire system was informed from one place to another. This is all symptomatic of what the Arizal came to do, which was create this notion of a parts of or a klal or a configuration which is greater than the sum total of its parts, yet each and every part remains significant. So for Rav Kook, the Osvav represents the interaction between these partsufim, these elevated configurations through which HaKadosh Baruch Hu has decided to run the world, through Hashkacha, through Hanhaga, as the Ramchal has us understand, through the differing and interconnecting parts of governance and shining the light of Ein Sof into the world, the Osvav represents this expression of the Partsufim once Malchus is already built. Once Malchus has already been set up in the osios of Dalid and Hay, and we have that receptacle, we have that base kibble, we have that space of limitation or that makom, which now can receive the light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So Osvav comes to show us about all the differing configurations that come and express and manifest themselves within the world of Malchus. So that once we follow through with the Osvav, we now have the relationship between the Elyonim and the Tachtonim, between the Partsufim that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Mislabeshin, that he engarbs his infinite light within these Partsufim. These Partsufim are not, God forbid, the essence of God, nor are they something other than God, as the Ramak has us understand very clearly in Ilema Rabasi, which, according to Lesham Shabbat is the transition from Kabbalah Saramak to Kabbalah Sa'arizal. And anecdotally speaking, there were a number of forgeries of letters that were discovered in a Russian trove of manuscripts, which have been proven, according even to the Rebbe Rayats and according to the Maharam, were proven to be forgeries. But nevertheless, Ravichemeyer Morgenstern points out that since the Rebbe Rashab and different Mikubalim understood certain ideas to be true within this trove of letters, some of the ideas remain true. So we have a letter from, I believe, the Baal Shem Tov, who states, and it's a forgery, but it's still a significant idea, according to the Rebbe Rashab, and he writes about it in his Shalos and Shuvos as well, that in the cemetery, in the Beis HaChayim in Svat, what you have is you have the Arizal buried, and then you have the Ramak buried underneath the Arizal. But what you have is that the Arizal's legs, Kavyachol, are situated next to the head of Rav Moshe Kordavaros, Kusiyagenelenu. And this is written explicitly in the new printing of Elema Rabasi in the Hakdama. But the notion, according to the Rav Rashab, is that the Arizal system of Kabbalah is standing upon the shoulders of the Ramak system of Kabbalah. And therefore, the Poel Mamish, you have the Arizal's legs, which are standing Kavyachol on top of the Kever of the Ramak, where his head is standing, because the Arizal system is built upon the teachings of the Ramak. And the Ramak tells us explicitly that the Partsufim are not necessarily either or. They're not godliness and they're not not godliness. It's a question of Atzmus 
and kalim. It's a question of vessels that can contain the essential light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And the partsufim are not separate from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. They do not separate us from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But at the same point, we don't, God forbid, daven to any partsuf. We don't daven to any partsuf in particular. We daven to Ein Sof. We daven to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that each and every child is capable of understanding. And although the understanding of the Partsufim demands a little bit more of an introduction and a longer shear unto itself, I wanted to give the slight introduction into the notion of the Partsufim and the Chiddush of the Arizal in order to understand what Rav Kook is saying about the Osvav. Because when we say, L'shem yichud kudusha barichu v'shchinte, b'dechilu v'rochim l'yachid shem yudke b'vavke b'yichidu shilam b'shem ko Yisrael, when we talk about this yichud, this unification of kudusha barichu v'shchinte, what we're talking about is the connection between the Ozvav, which we're discussing now, and the Oshei, which we discussed last week. The Oshei and the Ozdalad represent Malchus, the Makom, and the Ozvav represents the Partsufim, the ways, the configurations through which HaKadosh Baruch Hu descends into this world, Kavyachol, limiting himself in a non-limited fashion, paradoxically speaking, so that we can have a proper interrelationship. So the Osvav is representative of Kudshabrihu, it's representative of the Mitzido Kavyachol, as the, as the Maharal will have us understand, of the perspective of godliness. If we are the Malchus, if we represent the receptacle for divine light, then the divine light, Kavyachol, is going to be represented by the Osvav. And we see this as the Osvav in the Shem Havaya, as the third letter in the name of Hashem, which represents this concept of Kudshabrihu. And with that introduction, of understanding how the Osvav now sets us up for there to be an interrelationship between the Elyonim, between HaKadosh Baruch Hu B'chvodu V'atzmo, and between the Tachtonim, between the world and all of its physical matter and all of its limitation and all of its concealment and all of its apparent distance from godliness, this relationship between the Vav and the He, Liachet Shem Yudke B'vavke, and the Vav and the He connecting Liachet Shem Kutshabrichu V'shchinte, we can now understand what Rav Kook is coming to tell us in the Osvav with regards to this relationship, with regards to the relationship between the Elyonim and the Tachtonim. Rav Kook says as follows, HaTochein HaMedidi, the contained content, the measured content, B'chol Mehuso, Mispashetu Lemata Lematarasa Shel Hisachdus HaTochnim. The Vav, this Kudshabarichu, this relative level of infinitude that HaKadosh Baruch Hu sends down into the world of Malchus, in all of its essence, it descends lamata downwards, lamatarasa for the purpose, shel his achdus hatochnim, in order to unify the differing contents, in order to unify the content of the tachtonim and the content of the elyonim, to be miached shemayim va'aretz which is, again, going to be the mida of the osvav, which already represents connectivity, which already represents the ability of two hafachim, two separate realms, the elyonim and the tachtonim, to unify together. Hatsiurim hamugvalim, the limited images of malchus and everything in this world, b'chol hista'ufosehem, and everything that descend out of those images, up to and including the klipa mamish that we experience in this worldliness, the darkness and the concealment that shields and veils the light of godliness, b'chibor hazeh shahavav, b'haroso hashimit v'hagalmit mora alav. Ruf Kook says, the connection between this limited world and all of its fallen content and the elyonim, 
the tochen hamididi in its ideal state, all of that is expressed through the osvav. And Rav Kook says something amazing here. He says, in the osvav, in its linguistic sense, meaning the word vav as it sounds and, and its meaning as a word, galmit, and its imagical sense, and the way that the osvav is drawn. Because when we look at the word vav, what we conjure up is the notion of vaveha amudim. The vaveha amudim, the hooks, those pegs that connected the mishkan, that connected different parts of the mishkan, and the Mephorshim described the vaveha amudim as these pegs or these connective hooks which connect one thing to another thing. So the linguistic expression of the osvav in its fullness, which is vaveha amudim or vav represents the connectivity of one level to another, even in, arche- in archaeological, not archaeological, in architectural sense. And furthermore, says Rokuk, Hagalmit Mora Alav, the image of the Vav also represents this, because when you look at the Vav, it just represents, it's the first letter that represents a straight line that descends from the top to the bottom. So now we have the concept of the Vav, which is the connection between the Elyonim and the Partsufim Ha'elyonim, the elevated world that HaKadosh Baruch Hu allows us to interact with, and the lower world where we exist. And that is expressed in both the name of the Vav, which represents connectivity, as well as the image of the Vav, which represents a straight line that connects the top and the bottom. Rav Kook continues, The expression of life, of or, of Kedusha, of Ruchnius, that comes from the Elyonim, is drawn forth and it is revealed. So here Rav Kook is describing in his poetic sense, which in, especially in the Sefer of Reish Milin needs to be understood both as prose and poetry, because not only is it hinting to things beyond itself that it can contain in its linguistic message like poetry, yet at the same point, each word is so exact that it needs to be understood in a prosaic sense that without understanding the specific content of each word, you lose the context of the poet of the poetry. That this vav comes down and it draws forth life from the Elyonim. And hachalakim hamifuzarim, the separate parts of Olam Malchus, of the Dalit and the Hay, of the world of separation, Shabbat Golmim Mutzkim, represented in already crystallized and manifested forms that exist in the lower worlds of Briyatsir and Asiya, Mit Arginim, they gather together. And the expression and the influx of collective life, the or in sof and courageous lights that are removed and elevated from the limitation of this world, they continue and they drip into them. The ofsvav drips the or in sof into the limited vessels of this worldliness. Now Rav Kook goes on and says, not only does the linguistic name of the Vav, which represents connectivity in the architectural sense, like the Vav Ha'amudim of the Mishkan, and not only does the Tsura Ha'galmit, the image, the image of the Osvav in its shape, represent the connectivity between the Elyonim and the Tachtonim, but so too the Dikduk, the specific way that the osvav is used, the 
the way that language utilizes the osvav through its diktuk form, through its vowelization, not only does the image of the vav, not only does the name of the vav, but the diktuk form of the vav, the vowelization of the vav represents as well for us this concept of chibor and ichud, of connection and unification. Why? Because when you put vav in front of a word, it implies a certain connectivity with the previous word. It means and. It means that there is a connection between these two disparate and separate notions. That yes, they are not unified. They are not one. But at the same point, they are connected in their difference so that there can be a continuity and a connectivity between the two disparate ideas, which represent for us here something remarkable. We're talking now about the interrelationship between between the Elyonim and the Tachtonim, between the parts of, of Zer Anpin and the parts of, of Malchus. Now, unlike the Partsufim of Avaba and Ima, which and Chachman Bina, which remain unified at all times, the Partsufim of Kutshabrichu and Shrinte, of Hakadush Baruchu and Bnei Israel, of the Elyonim and the Tachtonim, that is dependent on our job to either create that connection or disclose that connection as it has already been existing. When we say Lashem Yichud Kutshabrichu Vishrinte, there is a machlokas as expressed in the Be'ermayim Chayim and his famous Shuva in response to the Nodim. Yehuda regarding the Shem Yichud and the utterance of the Shem Yichud, that the Be'er Ma'im Chaim says that there's Tzvei Dinim in the Shem Yichud. Either we can read it as Shem Yichud I am now preparing to do this action, this positive act, this positive thought, this positive engagement with Kedusha in order to create a relationship between Kedusha and Shrinta that didn't exist previously. Meaning that our actions create the connection or on another and deeper level, according to the Yichud Tata and the Yediya level of understanding, where everything is already predetermined in a, a very Ishbitz Kedusha type of way, the Lashem Yichud is not a prayer that we prepare ourselves to unify something, but rather it's a prayer that we make about our job in revealing the pre-existing connection between Kudshabrichavishante. Meaning to say, Lashem Yichud doesn't mean that I'm coming to unite two separate entities of Kudshabrichu and Shinte, but rather I am coming to disclose and reveal the fact that the connection between the two has never been broken in spite of the fact that existence and personal ego and the world at large separates us and veils us from that understanding, when I come and do a mitzvah, what I'm doing is I am revealing something that has always already been there. Because there can never truly be chas v'shalom, a separation between kudshabrich v'shkente. The world would be destroyed and it would cease to exist, as Rav Chaim expresses so severely in Shar Gimel from Nefesh HaChayim. And Rav Kook expresses elsewhere as well in the Kvatsim that the Osvav represents this chibur, this pre-existing chibur, as well as the active and participatory chibur which B'nai Yisrael engage in, that we engage in the Maisa Mitzvot, we engage in the Mesir Nefesh in order to create or reveal the pre-existing relationship. But nevertheless, Rav Kook is telling us that the Osvav, in all three facets of itself, in its name, based on the Vaveha Ha'amudim, in its image, which is the line that connects from the top to the bottom, as well as its diktuk form, as well as its vowelization and its grammatical sense, all represent the same idea, which is chibor and ichud, which represents that in spite of the fact that there are two separate entities, there is still an inherent connection between the two of them. Rav Kook continues and he says, And this is going to be based on the fact that when Pinchas 
was zochet to the briso shalom because of the kanoes kinasi, he was zochet to the osvav chazal pelas. That Pinchas received the osvav because the osvav represents the os of shalom. And this shalom comes, this shalom of the vav, the peace of the vav comes when? Bechol davar shalom whenever there is something that is whole. And Shlemus, according to the Maharal, and according to the Arizal, and according to Rabbi Nachman, and according to Rav Kook, is not monolithic peace, which is unfighting and with devoid of machlokas and difference, but rather it is the unity between two disparate parts. Shalom and peace is only a chiddush when the two parties engaged in that relationship remain separate yet connected. They recognize the difference of elu ve'elu, that there is this and that, yet at the same point, it's elu ve'elu divra eloi kimchayim, that in spite of the fact that they remain separate, in spite of the fact that these two entities remain distinct from each other, never Nevertheless, they have the capacity of making peace. And Rabbi Nachman tells us very beautifully, just for a moment, we'll look inside on Rabbi Nachman because this is deeply connected to the Osvav as well, that Rabbi Nachman in Torah Pei, in Lukutim Maharan, Chelek Aleph, Hashem Oz Le'amu Yitain, Hashem Yivarech Amo Bashalom, when Rabbi Nachman is discussing peace, and Rabbi Nachman discusses Machlokas in a very similar manner in Torah Samach Dalet Paro, where he says, Hine Yadua Shagadol HaShalom, we know how great Shalom is. That a Kaddish Baruch Hu has not found a vessel that is worthy of receiving his influx, like we discussed in the beginning, that there's interrelationship between the Hay and the Vav, Vav and the Hay, the Kutshabricho and Shrinte, the Partsufim Ha'elyonim, and Malchus, which was created in Ostalad and Oshay, that that interrelationship is the peace. That's the klimachzik bracha. That is the vessel that is now capable of receiving the influx of a Kaddish Baruch Hu. And Kamosha Darshu Razal in the Zohar Parshas Vayikra Daf Yud Beis Amad Beis B'Pasik Osa Shalom B'Mramav What does it mean that a Kaddish Baruch Hu makes peace B'Mramav? Kizeh HaMalach Me'esh V'zeh Me'mayim it's not peace in heaven because every malach is from Mayim or every malach is from Eish, but dafka because there's a chiluk, there's a machlokas of one malach being from fire and one malach being from water, that in and of itself is the chiddush of the shalom. Shehem trei hafachim, that they are two opposite traits, ki mayim mechaba Eish, says Rabbi Nachman, because water extinguishes fire. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu makes peace between the two of them and connects both of them. And this is the Bechina of Yosef, who's going to be connected to the Osvav, to the Midah of Tzadik. Yosef HaTzadik is the Midah of Kol. Yosef HaTzadik is the Midah that contains all other Midos. The Yesod HaMakasher, Es HaElyonim V'Tachtonim, Es HaShemayim V'Es HaAretz. The Arizal tells us the Rosh Tevos Aleph Hey Vav Hey is the name of Das and the Baal Shem Tov's states explicitly that the entire tachlis of Galus Mitzrayim and the entire tachlis of the Giloy of Hasidus was to be Megala, the shame of Das, this Aleph Hey Vav Hey, which is Gematria Yud Zion, which represents the Tov HaGonuz within the Or Tzadik, within the Or Zaruah LeTzadik, Simcha, that the entire tachlis of Das is to be Makasher the Elyonim and the Tachton, and to be Makasher Chachma and Bina, to be Makasher HaBilti Gvul, the unlimited with the limited, that all of this this is Makusha to Yosef HaTzadik, who was capable of connecting B'nai Yisrael to Avinu Shabbat Shemayim, Afilu B'tachtas Adolos, as we know. 
And this is the aspect of Yosef. And Rabbi Nachman continues and he says that Yosef had the ability to contain and combine two opposing traits within one, which are the chasadim and the gvuros, the merciful expression of a Kaddish Baruch Hu in this world and the harsh expression of a Kaddish Baruch Hu in this world. The kach ne'amar Yosef says Rabbi Nachman. Therefore it says by Yosef, Yosef that Yosef came and told on his brothers. He conveyed to Yaakov Avinu what the brothers were doing, which is a bechina of gvuros, which is a harsh midah of Yosef, where he was harsh and he wasn't allowing the brothers to act against the chut ha-sa'ara, to transgress the strict line of law. Kismol doicha, because the left side of gvuros pushes away, like the Gemara and Sota says, as achayani avakesh, but at the same point, Yosef Tzadik was capable of saying, as achayani avakesh, which is a midah contained within chesed, shuhu bechinas ha-chasadim, says Rabbi Nachman, ki yamin mekaveres, and the right hand comes and brings closer. On the one hand, Yosef was the shalit who was ruling with a strict fist and, and creating very strict economic laws in the time of famine. But at the same point, he was the mazbir, he was the one who brought out all of the hashba'a and all of the chiyus for B'nai Yisrael. Benemar Etzlo, and it says by him, Vikru lafan of Avreich that Yosef was described as an Avreich, and Rabbi Nachman says something remarkable, Perish Rashi, and what Rashi says is, Av Bechachma, he was a father in wisdom, Verach B'Shanim, and at the same point, young in years, Shehu Mochin the Godless, which represents Moichin of Ziknus, and, and Chachma, and Zaken Zesha Kana Chachma, which represents Chasadim, and Katnus, which represents the, the younger years. And Rabbi Nachman goes on to describe that Yosef is the Osva of Kabyachol, and you can't spell Vav without two Vavs, which is why Yosef has to have Binyamin, which is the concept of Tzadik Elyon and Tzadik Tachton, which is far off track from the Shir as it is. Nevertheless, what we see explicitly is that the notion of the Tzadik, the notion of Osvav, the notion of Kut Shabrichu is now the connection between the Elyonim and the Tachtonim. Es Hashemayim ve'es Ha'aretz. Aleph hey, Vav hey, the connection between the Elyonim and the Tachtonim, which is only a Chiddush. The Shalom is only a Chiddush. The peace of the Osvav is only a Chiddush when it's from a Davar Shalom, when it's something whole, which allows itself to contain within itself everything, the right and the left, the good and the bad, the up and the down. Rav Kook continues, And the shleimus of the osvav, and the shleimus of the relationship between the elyonim and the tachtonim, between kutshabrichu v'shchinte, between the vav and the hay, is not because the vav overtakes the hay, but rather the hay and the vav combine together to create a shleimus that is greater than the sum total of its parts. The parts of hakolelas, the ability for HaKadosh Baruch Hu, in his infinitude to reveal himself into a world of limitation without losing his infinitude and without limitation losing its capacity to have Bechira, which is rooted in limitation. Rav Kook continues, and he ends this piece. Again, it was a very short piece, and he says as follows. He says, now, this is a secondary point that Rav Kook is making, and it's not disconnected from Yosef HaTzadik, and it's not disconnected from the ability of Kutshabrichu to be miached with Shrinte, for the Elyonin to be miached with the Tachtonim, for there to be a Vav HaChibor between Ein Sof and the Tachtonim. 
like Ravichamaya writes explicitly in sources with about 10 sources in his Haskama that he wrote for his Talmud Mufak, Rav Shmuel Ehrenfeld, his Sefer Yeruchim Shemesh on the Rashash, Ravichamayar has a two-page Haskama there where he discusses the connection between the Rashash, Rav Shalom Sharabi, and the name Shalom, which represents this connectivity between the Elyonim and the Tachtonim. And he quotes explicitly from the Mitla Rebbe in Taras Chaim when he discusses Yosef and the interpretation of dreams and the Kilas Yaakov, the Balam Maleroim in in Erech Kol, in his Encyclopedia and Kabbalah, where he says that the Os Vav has the ability to draw down light from the loftiest realms of creation, from the loftiest areas of Ein Sofiut, down to the lowest areas, which is symbolized in the life of Yosef Atzadik, who found himself the Erva Sa'aretz, the Shmira Sayasod, the foundation of Chiyos, the foundation of light and holiness, was capable of descending into the pits of darkness. And that represents the Shalom Ha'amiti, that represents the Das Shal Shalom. Rav Kook continues and he says that this Osvav is mit Aleh al-Sugula Sazman. It is transcendent to the nature of time. It is removed from time. It is elevated from time. It transcends the confines of past, present, and future reality with which we live in our temporal framework. And connects the future with the past. Now, what Rav Cook is pointing out here is based on a multiple series of sources, mainly Os Gimel Amin Aleph and Maseches Megillah, where Chazal tell us that Ein Vayehi Elalashon Sar, that whenever the Pasuk says Vayehi, it implies a certain pain or suffering. And the Medrash Rabbin, Bereshis, and the Psipta Zuta also describe at length, there's actually an entire Sefer written on it, how Vahaya is a Lashon of Simcha. And the way the Vilna Gon and other tzaddikim, Nashla Kadosh, and Rav Kook's son, Rav Tzvi Yehuda HaKohen Kook, would tell his Talmidim is as follows, that the Vav represents the transition from past to future or future to past. So when you have a word like Vayihi, the word Yehi means, and it will be. It will be in the future. It represents the excitement and the freedom of something happening in the future, undetermined by the confines of time. But when you place a vav in front of the word yehi, what you're doing is you're being mahapech, the atir, the future sense, which opens itself up to possibility, the to come, and you flip it back into a past event. Vayehi, that which will be, is now that which was, and therefore there's a certain lashon of tsar, a certain pain that comes from the open future, which descends and devolves back into a static past. And so too with the haya, which is a lashon simcha. Haya means that it was in the past, but when you put a vav in front of haya, you're implying that, and it will be as it was in the past, that the past now is mahapich into a future sense, that that which seemed to be static and rooted in the world of Malchus and rooted in the world of limitation and rooted in the Mitzrayim and rooted in the Blidas is actually rooted in the future, is rooted in the Gula, is rooted in the Osvav HaChibor, in the Osav Chaim, in the ability of HaKadosh Baruch Hu to be Mahapech, the Avar into the Atid. And to end, I want to really flesh out this idea and open this idea up based on another teaching in the Hanushiyah of Kuk, which is where we have the Reich Milin, as well as Oros Atar and Oros Hachuva, with a teaching from Rav Kuk and Oros Hachuva, where he really expresses this notion of the Osvav as being this ability for us to connect the past with the future, the Elyonim with the Tachtonim, Kud Shabarichu with the Shechina, the Zeranpin with Malchus, Elyonim with the Tachtonim, the ideal sense of our lives and all of our 
visions and dreams for ourselves with the limited facets of our lives, with our limited ego sense, with the con constriction that we find ourselves in on a daily basis. Rav Cook says as follows in Parak Vav Osei, Ha'avaya, existence, Ha'ma'aseh ha'bechiri shal ha'adam v'ritzono ha'kvua, the volitional act of the individual, as well as his will, as well as his desire, it is not a dualistic, materialistic vision where Rav Kook sees a difference between desire and action, but rather Rav Kook, in a very profound and Kabbalistic way, according to his system of reading, action is not separate and apart from the will of the individual, but rather it is the final manifestation of the will of the individual, but it is still connected with a shalshalas achas gedola. That perpetually and infinitely, they will not be separated one from the other. Rav Kook says as follows, The desire and the will of a person is connected and contained within their actions, even after the action is done. Even the actions of the past, they are not disconnected from the essence of life and desire in their source. Because there is nothing in this world that remains separated legamri. Yesh biyad hachefetz, the will and the desire of a person has the ability, lahatviyat savyon miyuchad gam al hamaasim sha'avru. The will and the desire of a person has the strength and the capacity to imprint and impart a certain desire and sense on actions that even took place in the past, because it's still connected to our desire. V'zehu sod ha and this is the secret of tshuva, says Rav Kook, shebara osa ha-kadosh baruchu kodem shebara esa olam, that he created kabyachol before the creation of the world. Kilomar, meaning to say, hirchiv es koach ha-yetzira ha-nafshi taruchanit b'yichusha le-hamasa v'havaya, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has enlarged and expanded the realm of the spiritual will of a person to include actions that took place in the past. Ad shetihiyet tofeset b'rishusa gamasa avar, to the extent that my present thoughts have the ability to contain within themselves and inform in an ontological sense actions that took place in the past. And again, that's exactly what Rav Kook is saying with the Osvav, which according to Mikubalim and the Zohar Kadosh is the Os of Tshuva, is the Os of Yosef Atzadik, is the Os of Connectivity, that Hamit that the Vav is elevated and transcendent above the nature of time, connecting as Sa'atid Im Ha'avar, the future sense with the present sense and the past sense. Next week, Bezos Hashem. Now that we have the first experience and expression of HaKadosh Baruch Hu relating to the world that he has created, we're going to encounter the Zion, which is the Zion of Melchama, the tools of war. And we're going to see a very remarkable piece from the Ramchal in Adir Bamarom, where he goes through the different weapons of Rashbi and his Chavraya, the slingshot and the swords and the spears and what they mean on a spiritual level. And we're going to see that once HaKadosh Baruch expresses himself in the world of limitation, so it's now the human being's job through their Bechira to protect that Ha'ara HaRuchanit and to ensure that spirituality is capable of expressing itself in its full potential.